You are listening to audio from the Rail City campus of CA Church. We are a church fervently committed to bringing the good news to the city of Port Moody. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. I think it's really interesting in that story as we're talking about Genesis, uh, you know, chapters 1 and 2. It's talking about this story of how God created everything and God made everything. And then he makes Adam and Eve in his image. And then he gives Adam and Eve roles. He says, you are to have dominion. You are to take care of. You are to care for and lead all of creation. He gives them work. Uh, and uh, as you know, it's Labor Day weekend, right? It's Labor Day weekend. Uh, this is the time where the labor unions were fighting for their rights. Uh, and we see it as the last long weekend in the summer. Am I right? Uh, <laughs> and so t- I thought today it would be helpful for us if we were to talk about this idea of work. What is work? Why do we work? Is work good? Does, can work glorify God? All these kind of questions that we may have about work. And so I've got a topical message for us on work today that I want to share with us uh, and uh, to just give us, I guess, a little bit of insight into what is it that God's purposes might be through that which we put our hands to. My big idea for today, if you want to write it down, we're not in the I Am series anymore, and so I know that's a misprint in the books. I apologize. Uh, but, uh, But you can write down this big idea that all good work is God's work. All good work is God's work. We believe that all things that are good, all things that God defines as good or godly is actually God work. It's God at work in and through us in the world today. And some of you think, okay, well, really, like all work, uh, like, you know, we're heading towards fall right now. Really, me making a pumpkin spice latte, right, uh, at uh, cafe, like that's God work. Uh, or me, like, pulling this lever all day at work, that's all I do, that's God at work. Uh, you know, me baking a loaf of bread, or sweeping floors, or feeding my kids, or creating art, or writing a play. What about designing websites? Like, really, is that God's work? Uh, hammering nails, driving a truck, delivering packages, uh, doing plumbing, right? Uh, is, this, is this truly God's work? Is pulling a guy over for speeding, is that God's work, right? <laughs> Here's what, the, the idea is this, is that all things that are good, all things that are good that we put our hands to, this is actually God at work in and through us today. Uh, Martin Luther, he wrote, a bunch on this concept of work and the fact that God is actually at work in and through us. And uh, as, he, as he was kind of coming up with some of his concepts and ideas around why is it that our work is actually godly and glorifies God, he went to the Psalms. And he turned to Psalm uh, 144 to 146 and he pointed out uh, the, these things that where although it seems like things that we are due, Doing, God is taking credit for these things in and through us. Let me read a little bit for us. Psalm 144, it says, Our barns will be filled with every kind of provision. Our sheep will increase by the thousands, by the tens of thousands. Our oxen will draw heavy loads. There will be no breaching of walls, no going into captivity, no cry of distress in the streets. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up those who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you 
and you give them their food at proper time. Your hand, you open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. And then in 146, he says, he upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. And here's what Luther does as he looks at these texts. It's all of these things that we assume that we are doing. And yet God is taking credit for them. Whether we like it or not, right? Some of you think, oh man, like I, I should get a lot of credit for the things I do. And here, here's God in the Psalms saying, no, it's actually uh, me who takes care of the fallen. You might be a nurse, you might be a doctor, you might be uh, someone who cares for those. Uh, but he says, no, I, I take care of the sick, the oppressed. I, I, it's actually me at work. For those of you who provide food. Luther gives uh, this example. He says, you know, when the milkmaid, this is Luther, okay, this is hundreds of years ago. When the milkmaid is milking the cow or the person bakes bread or someone, in our example, makes food in a restaurant or the, the butcher provides, you know, deli meats at the deli. Uh, if you're a grocer or you work at the food bank, he says all of these things, when you are supplying food for people, it is God is who's actually the one who is sustaining, who is giving and providing for his people. He takes credit again. And he gives other examples, the prisoners being set free. I think of people who are in the military or rescue team or police officers uh, or, or lawyers uh, or the judge that release the righteous, right? He says, nope, that's me. I'm the one who sets people free. Here's the point. All good work is God's work. All Good things that we do is God at work in and through us, whether we realized it or not. There's a God named Bob Reiner. In his book, Roaring Lambs, he said this, There should be no less support or attention for the person who has been accepted into Juilliard School of Music or for the one going off to theological seminary. The church needs writers and performers and artists and speakers, politicians, businessmen and businesswomen, and workers in every craft and trade. In God's eyes, there should be no hierarchy. There certainly should not be in ours. He's saying this is that all good work is God's work. But what we can do sometimes is this, is that we can create a hierarchy of the work that we are doing. Some work is more godly, some work is not. Okay, the work of missionaries and pastors and those who are in ministry. This is godly and good work, but now, you know, the, the, the work of, of those who are just bringing home the bacon, right? Those who are slugging a hammer, those who are doing trades. This is just kind of day-to-day -day work. It's not God's work. But Bob Reiner, he helps us to see, he says there should be no less support or attention for the person who, who's going into Juilliard School of Music uh, or for the one going off to theological seminary. The church needs all types of people to go into the various fields to use the different gifts that God has given them in order to be a blessing to the world. God wants to use us in every field, in every space and place that we find ourselves, whether we're paid for the work or not. Luther goes on to say that when we are doing work, we are actually, he, he uses two illustrations. One, he says, we are the fingers of God. <laughs> and the second, he says, you are the mask of God. Now, some of you are like, this is too soon, right? This is too soon. I do not want to be a mask of God anytime soon, right? But, but it's an interesting il illustration for our day and our time 
that what he is saying is that behind us is the God of the universe working in and through us, working in and through us, that we are the mask of God. Uh, and, and I think for those of us who, you know, take a lot of pride in our profession, those of us who, who strive for excellence, those of us who want to do good work, it's helpful for us to remember this story. It's helpful for us to remember this story that the scriptures tell us and what I've been sharing with us today, that actually that there is a God that is in and behind me, working in and through me. The stories we tell ourselves and the things that we speak over ourselves when it comes to our day-to-day work, it truly matters. Uh, Here's an example. I was at Rocky Point Park the other day. I'm waiting outside of Pajos to get some just like fries, just fries. The fries are refillable, by the way. So it's the best deal at Pajos. It's $5. You get fries. You can refill them. And Emmy, my daughter, she loves to eat, just eat the french fries and and use dip dip, right? So we're waiting. We're waiting for, uh, you know, the fries and ketchup and tartar sauce and all that kind of stuff. And these girls, they walk up to the till and they say, hey, can we have some cups? And the girl at the till is like, uh, like for water? It's like, yeah, for like water, like, you know, like drinks, right? And then, so the girl at the till, she's like 16, 17, doesn't really care, gives them the cups. They walk over to the pop machine. They certainly are not getting water. They're filling it with pop. Now, at that moment, immediately, I thought, these little thieves, right? I was just so, <laughs> I, want, I was like, you know, where are their parents? Like, someone needs to cor- correct these kids, right? They're stealing from Pajos. You know, Coca-Cola, this is not right, right? This was the story I told myself, right? That they are stealing. But there's others' versions of that story. Maybe their parents already bought the fish and chips, but they didn't get their, their cups for their drinks yet. That wasn't the story I told myself, and they were simply asking for them to fill it up. Uh, perhaps it was just totally, you know, benign. It was totally, they, they didn't realize what they were doing. They didn't realize they were stealing. They thought, oh, the pop's out here. It must be for free. It's bottomless, right? Whatever the story is that we tell ourselves determines how we view a situation. Here's what I want us to here this Sunday as we think about our work. What is the story you are telling yourself when it comes to your work? Are you saying, well, listen, this is just for a paycheck? Are you saying, oh, well, you know what? This is, uh, this is just what I do from my nine to five. It's just kind of how I pass by my dames. Or are you saying, actually, no, I am fulfilling God's early mandate in the very beginning to be fruitful and multiply, to put my hands to work, to care for, to steward, that which was given me. The story we tell ourselves changes the way that we view our circumstances. And so as you're heading back into the workforce this fall, as you're heading back into your work on Tuesday, here's what I want to encourage us. Would we begin to tell ourselves a different story? Because the stories we tell ourselves do influence uh, the situation. When it came to me and those girls, I thought they were thieves, right? This is the story I told myself. I don't actually know the end of that story. Uh, but it, it, it could have easily just been the fact that they, they didn't get their cups yet and they filled up their cup. The stories that we tell ourselves absolutely matter. Leslie Newbegin, uh, he's, a Catholic, uh, he's a Catholic theologian. He says this, the choice for the church in every age will always be, will we Will our identity be shaped by scripture or by our culture? By the biblical story or the cultural story? 
This is the choice that we have. What will we allow our life and our world, our worldview to be shaped by, the culture or the scriptures, the biblical story or the cultural story? This is the choice we have when it comes to our work. Here's the, the, the third point. We are actually called to glorify God in our work. We're called to glorify God in and through our work. In uh, Corinthians, in a few places, Paul impacts the way that we live and how our lives are supposed to bring glory to God. And there's a couple texts here. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 to 20, he says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. In another place, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, he says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. These two examples are pertaining to other, uh, other things, but I believe the implications are the same for us. You're not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Glorify God through all that you do, whatever you are putting your hand to. Uh, and so, you know, whether, uh, you know, you're flying a plane, maybe you're flying a plane, uh, or, or perhaps uh, you're an architect, uh, or, or perhaps uh, you, you, you deliver, you know, groceries uh, for, for Skip the Dishes or Uber Eats. Perhaps you drive for one of those companies. Whatever it is that you find yourself doing, you're an accountant. He's saying, do it for the glory of God. Fill in the blank. If you are a mother or a stay-at-home dad and you're caring for your kids, do it all for God's glory. All for God's glory. This is what he is telling us to do. And think about how this would change the way you operate if you realized, if you began to tell yourself this story, that actually everything I do brings glory to God, how it would change the way that you operate when it comes to your work. In re researching this topic, uh, I heard someone reference the ministry of competence. The ministry of competence. Uh, another way of saying it is the ministry of excellence. And here's what it means. When we are competent or excellent in what we do, it actually ministers to those who are around us. It actually ministers to those around us. Isn't this true? When somebody is really good at something, it gives them credit to speak to all sorts of things. It gives them credit in their workplace. They're actually seen as competent. Could you imagine if this fall that all the best workers in this city, in the surrounding cities, wherever you found your work, that the bosses began to realize that their most competent and excellent workers were followers of Jesus? Or could you imagine that, that in all the workplaces that you find yourself, if you're in a managerial role and you're overseeing people, that, that everyone's favorite boss, the one who, who is just so good at what he does and takes uh, such good care of his employees, that they found out that you were a follower of Jesus? There's something about competence and excellence that gives us credibility, but it also brings glory, I think, to who our God is because there's something in us that is different than the culture, that is different than the world. You see, we, we are called to glorify God in all that we do. There's credibility that being the hardest working or being the most skillful, but it also can be discrediting when we're poor at what we do. Uh, I think of an example. So uh, first job was working at the Granary Cafe at Lougheed Mall. I was a busboy, okay? Uh, and I would just wash dishes. Second job, Lougheed Mall also, at Walmart. 
and I was the cart boy, okay? So I go and I collect the carts in the parking lot that you guys leave in all sorts of strange places. You've created work, well done, right? You know, you've employed young 16-year-olds all over the Lower Mainland by leaving your carts on random patches of grass or pushing it to the very limit until the wheels lock, right? And so anyways, my job would be to go all over the parking lot and outside the parking lot and collect our carts. Now, I'll be honest, as a 16-year-old, I thought this is a pretty lame job. I didn't care about it that much. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hustle. I just kind of casually walk around, pick up the carts. Occasionally, I get called to mop up a spill. I, I was often late for that job. It's confessions of a, a local pastor. But um, <laughs> it, 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 I was not a good employee. I remember one day I get pulled into the, uh, the office with my supervisor, and he begins talking to me about the quality of my work. Uh, and he begins challenging me to do better. And then he said some words that really impacted me because my supervisor was a Christian as well. And he said, listen, Cam, you're called to not just glorify God with your words. You talk to people all over this place about Jesus all the time, but you're also supposed to call glorify God through your works. And he fired me that day, right? And it was a, it was a big lesson for me, a big wake-up call that, that we're, we're supposed to represent God with more than just our words, but also our works. This competence of excellence and uh, sort of the ministry of competence, it does matter to those around us. He said, I remember it was a long conversation, but it was a, I, the Spirit of God used him in that moment. He said, all these employees, all these people you're working with, you, you actually representing Jesus big challenging moment for me. And so the way we do business deals matters. Your truthfulness matters. The quality in which we make something matters. The way that you treat your clients or your coworkers matters. The way we care for others matters. Hard work absolutely matters. Could you imagine uh, that we could have the kind of confidence that you said, hey, if you've seen me, and you've seen the way of work. You've gotten a glimpse into who our God is and who my God is. So it would be a profound thing to say. Imagine if you say, if you'd seen me at work, you've got a glimpse of Jesus today. Challenging thoughts. We're called to be a people who bring the presence and the person of Jesus into different spaces. And we, we, we have the privilege of actually changing the culture. We have the privilege of changing the culture of your workplace, of changing the culture of our city through the work that we do, through the work that we do. And this has been our mandate from the beginning. We told this Genesis story and God gives them work. Work is not a result of the fall. Hard work and sweating work and all that kind of stuff is part of the curse. The fact that the, you know, the ground is hard and things are challenging. But work was given to us before the fall. And Mark Sayers in his book, Reappearing Church, refers to the Genesis story to help us to understand our role in the world. He says it this way. When Adam and Eve were commanded by God to be fruitful and increase in number, they were to go beyond Eden and to fill the earth subduing it. Just as God had subdued and brought order out of chaos, so humans will go beyond Eden, spreading the garden by making the places beyond it habitable. 
Adam was to widen the boundaries of the garden in ever-increasing circles by extending the order of the garden sanctuary into the inhospitable outer places. The outward expansion would include the goal of spreading the glorious presence of God. See, from the very beginning, they started in this little slice of heaven on earth, and they were meant to expand into the wild places. They were meant to go out, and they were meant to take the, the chaos and bring it to order. They were meant to use their gifts and to spread God's presence and glory and goodness to all the corners of the earth. This is what we are called to do through our work. We're called to be people who bring the presence of God with us wherever we go, reshaping the world, taking inhospitable places and spaces and bringing order. We're called to reshape the world around us as God's agents. And this leads me to our last point, if you can believe it. <laughs> That's pretty good for me, actually. Uh, and so <laughs> we're called to be God's missionaries in our workplace. See, we're not, we're not only called to simply represent God if we land a plane or flip a burger or teach class or dance on stage or write a story or make a graphic. But God has placed us each in spaces, in classrooms, in homes, in workplaces to bring his presence, yes, but also to bring his message to bring his message to the world, this good news that we're talking about, the good news that we long to bring to the city of Port Moody and the surrounding region. Paul called this the ministry of reconciliation. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 18 to 21, he says this, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against him. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We, we speak for Christ when we plead with people. Come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be an offering for sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Do you see it? This wonderful gift of salvation that you have received from God is not just for you, but it is for others. Because God is giving us the task of reconciling people back to himself. It says God is making his appeal through us. Through us. In your home. In your workplace. In your family. Wherever it is that you find yourself, God is making his appeal through you. And so what we do and how we do it and what we say matters. It really does matter. You see, uh, this idea, it changed the way that I saw my third job <laughs> at Starbucks. So after I got fired from Walmart, I got hired at St. John's Starbucks, not far from where I live right now. I remember in that place, recognizing that both the quality of my work, but also the words that I said desperately mattered. Um, and so I gave, gave a, a story that didn't look very good on me. I'm not trying to brag on, on this story. But when I was in Starbucks, I really saw it as a ministry. I would talk with my coworkers about who Jesus was. I would share with customers. I, would, I had opportunities to pray with people and counsel people and give hope to people and inspire uh, people in, in that role. 
just while making coffees. <laughs> uh, and uh, I talked about Jesus so much that my manager began to threaten me saying, Cam, if you keep talking about Jesus, I'm going to fire you. And I said, that would be awesome. That was my response, right? Because I just thought, how cool would it be to be fired for sharing about Jesus? I was a zealous young believer <laughs> at that time. And still am, I hope. See, uh, we, are, we are called to be God's ambassadors no matter what you're doing, even if it's making coffee at Tim Hortons. God wants to use you to share about the good news of Jesus, to share about the hope that we have in him. Some of us have, have really, you know, just, we, we've, we're really good at the ministry of competence and excellence, but God is also calling us to this ministry of sharing the good news this morning as well in our workplaces. I really want to hit this home. Wherever you find yourself, you are not there by accident. I think of Acts chapter 17 where it says that God determined the boundaries in which we'd live, the times in which we'd live. Why? So that he would use us to bring people back to himself, that people would find him in and through us. And so it shows us that there was actually a purpose of whatever year you were born and the, the boundaries in which you live and the place that you find yourself, God wants to use this to bring people back to himself. We need you. The church needs you to pursue your passions, to work hard, to represent God in the world, wherever you find yourself, whatever you call work, all good work is God's work in and through you. Your work has purpose. And so here's what I want to do for us today. I'm going to invite the band up at this time. I, I want to pray a, a prayer of commissioning for us at this time, a prayer of commissioning us into our workplace, commissioning us into the places that we find ourselves commissioning us into the world to be a people who bring glory to God through the things that we do and the things that we say that we'd recognize, wow, there's far more going on in this story, the story that God has given us, uh, and, and, and things need to change. And so I'd love to pray for us this fall as we're heading back to work. I know you've been working all summer, but it does feel like one of those transitional moments. And so uh, if you'd like to receive this prayer at this time, I'm going to pray for you. God, thank you for each of these men and these women, also for these kids in this room who love you. And as we discuss this subject, it's possible there are some of us here who maybe long to have work in this season and don't. Lord, would you provide for them work? And would it be fulfilling and meaningful in a place that they could represent you? I also want to pray for maybe those who have gotten into a rut. They began to see their job as just merely a paycheck. They've forgotten that they represent you. God, would you re-energize them and remind them each day of the opportunity we have to get better, to show others who you are. And finally, God, I want to pray for those who work without paychecks, stay-at-home moms and dads, those who are retired, those who are unable to work. God, would you encourage them now that our work is not always a paycheck, but rather what we put our hands to and what we give our lives to. Would you show them each uniquely the beauty of the things they contribute and the opportunities they have for you to work in and through them? And God, I also, I want to pray for those of us who do see our work as a ministry. 
Would you reinvigorate us today? Would you re-energize us today? Would you give us confidence? Would you remind us we don't do it alone? Uh, But God, you have given us your Holy Spirit who is within us and goes with us into every space and place. And Spirit of God, you said you would remind us of the things that you, Jesus, has said. God, you would remind us. And so God, I pray you would bring to mind scriptures. You'd bring to mind ideas. God, you'd bring to mind people that we are called to love and care for as we head back into work this fall. Jesus, I, I pray for our community and I commission them now to go forth into the world and whatever it is that they find their hand to do, God, would they do it to glorify you? Would you use them, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. At this time, uh, we're gonna move into a time of communion as as we sing and we respond. And uh, the communion moment is a great moment for us every single week. It's a remote moment where Sundays like this, where I didn't preach the gospel uh, explicitly for me to do so. Let me remind you of something. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what your week has looked like, whether your work has actually not glorified God and not been good, I want to remind us that we have a savior. His name is Jesus Christ. He died for us on a cross 2000 years ago. He forgave us of all of our sins, past, present and future. And we, by simply believing in him and trusting in him and receiving what he did on the cross, can receive grace, forgiveness, kindness, relationship with the living God. And so today, as we come to the communion table, it is an opportunity once again. And let's let's not get religious about this. Oh, yeah, we do communion every week. No, this is an opportunity once again to get right with God, no matter who you are, no matter where you're at. And so if you believe in Jesus, if you want to follow Jesus, we invite you to the table here as we respond through singing and as we respond through the communion moment. There's some juice and it represents Jesus' blood that was shed for you. There's a wafer and it represents his body which was broken for you. And and so let me pray in light of that and then we'll respond. God, thank you uh, for this communion moment. This moment we're reminded that there's nothing we can do that will make you love us more. And there's nothing you can do, we can do, that will make you love us less. God, you absolutely love us. You loved us so much, you sent your one and only son into the world. He lived a life like us, but he ultimately died a death that paid for all of our sins. And through it, we find forgiveness and grace and mercy and kindness. And so we come to the table now So we're reminded of this and to respond. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca slash rail city to find out more information about getting involved in the life and mission of the Rail City campus of CA Church.